to kick this message off, I got a question for you. How many of y'all are married? I'm impressed. Like, I'm impressed with both services because typically, typically when I've asked that question right at the outset of a, of a message, yeah, I, I, I usually see a lot of hands that's just like, yep, that's me, I'm married, you know, and they've been married like one week, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and then a, and a whole bunch of other hands are like, yep, I'm, I'm married too, all right, been there, done that, that sort of thing. Well, uh, a man and I uh, have the opportunity to celebrate in just a few weeks. We'll be celebrating 21 years of uh, marriage. We're very happy about that, yes. By God's grace, we've made it that, that long. And uh, I don't know about you and your wedding day. I can remember my wedding day like it was a month ago. Uh, and everything from the ceremony and everything that we experienced during the ceremony to the reception uh, afterwards to uh, what was my car after the reception. It did not. I'm not kidding you. I, I, I should have pulled up a picture and scanned it in because we didn't have digital pictures back then. That's how old I am. Uh, but I should have scanned it in and put it up on a screen because you couldn't tell it was even a car, okay? We're talking meatballs, every, not just toilet paper and cans hanging off of the end of it. We're talking meatballs everywhere. Those little sausages, you know, stuck up in the door handle so you can't even open the door and everything like that, you know? And uh, literally, I'm no joke, true story, the very first place that Amanda and I went uh, once we were married on our honeymoon after the ceremony and the reception was one of those self-serve car washes. You know what I'm talking about? Like you pump in the quarters and you get this big water gun, you know, you, you blast all of the junk off of your car. That was the very first thing we got to do <laughs> as a married couple was go wash uh, the car. One of my fondest memories though is uh, I can remember seeing uh, Amanda's finger with her wedding ring on it uh, for the very first time. And uh, there was just something about that. Uh, yes, it communicates uh, that, uh, that our, our relationship and our love for each other. But you know what? It also communicates instantly to anybody else, somebody who has no clue, never met my wife or met myself, this instantly communicates, I'm taken. I'm not available. Not that you would want this, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm taken. I'm married, right? And uh, we've gone through uh, several transitions throughout the years with wedding rings. Specifically for me, there was one season of my life that I gained a, a whole lot of weight. And uh, uh, my wedding ring barely, barely fit over my knuckle onto my finger. And so I didn't wear it a whole lot, you know. didn't think much of it, really. And uh, I'll be honest and, and, and vulnerable with you for just a moment. It was, it was actually in, in some some moments, it was a little too convenient to just leave it off, you know. For people who didn't know me, I was somewhere and, and they didn't know that I was married, that sort of thing. It was just a little too convenient to just leave it off and just let people assume um, whatever they want to assume. Here's the thing. I see so many Christians who treat their faith exactly the same way. Like, if, if we didn't know each other, I could tell you verbally, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I've been saved, I've been covered by his grace, I'm all in, yada, 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 I could tell you that. Or, you know what, depending on the moment, depending on where I'm at, depending on who I'm around, I can just let you assume what, whatever you want, you know? It's a little too convenient. 
For the past several years, Amanda has pressured me of uh, want to do away with the actual ring and tattoo our rings on, on our fingers. Some of you have done that, you know, and then it's like really permanent, right? <laughs> you know, then it's like, it's like totally branded now. You've been branded. You can, you never have the option of letting people assume about you uh, and about your, your marriage. There is something that if you are a follower of Christ, if you are a Christian, there is something that Jesus has asked you to do. He's actually commanded it in scripture. And it's, and it's very similar to this. It's t- very similar to tattooing the ring on your finger. It's like branding you uh, through, through this act. And, and it's called baptism. I want to talk with you about that today. If you're new with us today, we're in this series called More Than a Rut. And for the past several weeks, we've been talking about everything that we do in here within the context of a 70-minute worship service uh, and why we do what we do. Several weeks ago, we talked about why we sing the songs uh, that we sing. A couple weeks ago, why we take communion every Sunday. Last week, we talked about uh, prayer, and uh, which was an amazing Sunday last week as well. And we've been talking about how all of these things that we do holds huge potential to become nothing more than a rut to us. It's just a routine. Like we come in, we know when to stand, when to sit, we know what to sing, we know what to say, we know the face that we got to put on in front of everybody else. And, and this, this thing called coming to church, attending the church service on a Sunday morning ends up just being an obligation or a responsibility. It's just a routine. And we've said along the way for the past several weeks that God deserves much more from us than just a rut, right? And, and we've talked a little bit about Christ Church Camden, what kind of church that, that we are as a church, and you look at all of the uh, kind of different denominations that are out there, and, and we've said that the Christ Church Camden is not part of any specific denomination. However, we uh, do associate with what is called the independent Christian churches, which goes all the way back to uh, the Restoration Movement, which is the 1790s to the 1840s or so. And uh, the desire, the bottom line desire of the independent Christian church is, is to just kind of try to, try to cut through all of the stuff that, that mankind has made Christianity into for years and years and years. And just go back to, not that there's a lot wrong with a lot of that stuff, but, but let's just get back to the first century church, the church that God established on the face of the planet after Jesus ascended into heaven, the church that we study about in the book of Acts. Let's look at how they had church, and let's try to practice and pattern our church uh, after them. And that's been one of our biggest Desires. One of the sayings that uh, the independent Christian church adopted early, early on, years and years ago, was this, that where the scriptures speak, we speak. Where the scriptures are silent, we are silent. Where the scriptures speak, we speak. Where the scriptures are silent, we are silent. And ironically, uh, when you look at the topic of baptism, with as much dissension that has, if you're familiar with all the denominations and how different, different churches teach different things about what is the purpose of baptism and what is the right mode for baptism, that sort of thing, with all of the dissension that is kind of centered around this topic of baptism, ironically, the Bible has a lot to say about it. The Bible has a lot to say about baptism. Now, let me recognize from the outset as well, if you are not a Christian here today, man, this is going to sound like just some weird stuff, okay? Like there's no other arena in our lives outside of the context of church, right? 
I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but have you ever talked about baptism and something that you got to do in your workplace, you know, or on the sub or at school? I mean, we don't talk about baptism anywhere else except for church. So this may seem like a foreign concept uh, for you, but I hope that you get uh, just a little bit out of this. The original Greek word for baptism is baptizo. And you go back some 2,000 years ago and you look at baptizo, that word, it literally means to wash, dip, immerse, plunge under, or submerge. Okay? To wash, dip, immerse, plunge under, or submerge. And so as we look at this and we think about the mode of baptism, when I say the mode of baptism, that is, uh, will you sprinkle, will you pour water over somebody, or will you fully dunk? We've, you've seen those shirts around here that says, I've been dunked on the back of it. That's, that's, that's what I'm talking about, to fully immerse underwater. I want to make it crystal clear, we are not judging any other church. We are not judging any other denomination that chooses to do things differently than the, the way that we choose to do them. It's just that from our interpretation of Scripture, as we study God's Word, as we look at historical documents, we, under, we begin to understand that there's no baptism in the Bible that was ever performed other than immersion. Okay, there was no sprinkling, there was no pouring. And, and so because our, one of our deepest desires as a church is to get back to the roots of the first century church, uh, that we read about in the book of Acts, this is how we will practice baptism at Christ Church Camden, is by immersion. I love what the Apostle Paul says about baptism. In uh, Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3, it says, Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, <clears throat> we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And I love the imagery in this of being buried. I love that word. Think about this for just a moment. You got something like incredibly valuable. All right. Nowadays, you know, like, like if, it was, if it was jewelry or, or money, something that was very valuable, nowadays you just rent a, 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 a box at the bank, right, you know, to put it in. But years ago, you know what a lot of people would do? They go in the backyard or they find some weird place, right, and dig a hole and put it in a coffee can and bury it and hope that nobody ever finds that. And your goal, your hopes, your desire would someday to go back to that spot and, and dig up that which is valuable to you to recover, uncover uh, that which is valuable to you. Baptism is kind of like that for us in our lives, friends. Baptism uncovers what is buried within. Baptism can uncover in you what is buried within. Now, here's why I say it can uncover what is buried within. Why I say that is because I know this from Scripture, from God's Word. God created you absolutely perfect. Every one of you. All right, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you think of yourself, what kind of self-esteem you have or don't have, doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, it doesn't matter who you are, God created you absolutely perfect, okay? God did not mess up when he created you, God did not screw up when he made you, you and I are the ones who screwed ourselves up, right, along the way in life. And, and and God gave us this thing called free will, which is the freedom to choose between right and wrong. Now, what we teach here at, at Christ Church Camden, based on our studies of Scripture and, uh, and, and all, is that 
When you are born, you are born perfect. You are born without sin. I know some other denominations would say that you are born with sin. We would say that you are born without sin, but with the nature to drift towards sin. Does that make sense? So, so, that, so that as we grow older, uh, as a child, we begin to develop this cognitive ability to decipher what is right and what is wrong. We can learn the differences, and, and we begin to make choices. Am I going to do the right thing, or am I going to do the wrong thing? And if I do the wrong thing, then sin enters my life, and once you get old enough, you realize I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of the glory of God, and as a sinner, I need a Savior. And hopefully you've gotten to that point where you've realized you need a Savior and, and you believe in Jesus, you repent of your sins, you confess Jesus as Lord and, and leader of your life, but there are so many people, so many Christians, that's the extent of it. That's where they stop, right there. And I want you to understand, friends, today, that if that is the extent of what you have done in your faith journey, you are robbing yourself of some pretty incredible things that God wants to give to you. Baptism, just like a tattoo, for example, will brand you as a child of God. Baptism brands you as a child of God. Now, I want to be clear that I'm not talking about salvation here, okay? For, for example, you, you see my wedding ring here, it means that I'm married, right? I'm married. Am I still married? I'm still married whether I got the ring on or not, right? Baptism is one of these things of how God brands you as a child of God. We're not talking about salvation. You're saved. That's a, that's a, that's a moment over here. We're not talking about that. We're talking about being branded uh, as, as a child of God. Verse 3 again, Paul says that those who are baptized are joined with Jesus. You are marked as one of his. Plus, don't miss this. Plus, in addition to being branded as a child of God, there's something that you get. Um, now, I have heard, I, I've heard many uh, sermons. I've, I've heard this be taught this fashion. I've heard people say this about baptism. I've heard people say, and they kind of say it like this, that baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith, something of that nature. In other words, it is it's an act that I do to show everybody around me of how God has changed me as a person. All right? It's evidence of what has happened inside. And that's absolutely true. I agree with that 100%. But don't you ever, 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 ever let anyone ever tell you that baptism is just a symbolic event. Because baptism is so, so, so much, 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 much more than just an act. It's so much more than just a symbolic event. In fact, look at what happened to Jesus. When Jesus was baptized, it says after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, that implies that at some point Jesus had to go down into the water, right, so that he could come up out of the water. Jesus was baptized by immersion. It says the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and setting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, okay? I am one of the farthest things from Jesus that there could be, in case you were wondering, right? 
I can remember when I was baptized, like it was last week. I was in the seventh grade. It was middle school church camp one summer. My daddy, my mom and dad came to church camp. My daddy baptized me. I can remember when my daddy brought me up out of the water uh, from being baptized. I promise you, I remember it so clearly. There were no clouds that parted for me. Okay? There was no voice that said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I did not get the son of God experience package sort of thing with, with, uh, with baptism. Nobody ever has. Nobody ever will with the exception of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Nevertheless, do not doubt your baptism. Do not doubt it. Because here's what you get. Look at this in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter, Luke, uh, rec- uh, is the one who wrote the book of Acts. He records the, the words of Peter. Peter is preaching this sermon, okay? This is the very first sermon. This is when, when, when uh, the local church, God first establishes the local church on earth. We're told that like 3,000 people accepted Jesus, and that's most likely just the men. There could have been 6,000, 9,000. It could have been more than that. This is like the first mega church ever, all right? The very first church that was ever on earth was a great big giant mega church. And, and Peter tells these people, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the main ways that God brands you is with the gift of of the Holy Spirit. Now I got a tiptoe right now, okay? I got to be careful about how what I say next, um, because and I've had this conversation with people throughout the years, where somebody says, "Okay, Scotty, are are, are, are are I've been a I accepted Jesus ten years ago, twenty five years ago, forty years ago, but I never took that step to be baptized. Are you telling me that 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 I've been living my whole life without the Holy Spirit? No, I'm not." That's not what I'm telling you. Okay, I'm just a messenger. Don't shoot the messenger, please. What I want you to do, if that's you, if that's your story, what I want you to do is I want you to take this and just wrestle with it. I'm not saying you, you do or you don't have. I'm not going to go there. Okay, that's not for me. That's in between you and him. But I, if I were you, I would take this and I would wrestle with this. And I would seek God. I would seek him. And, and as I wrestle with this seeking to just find out, God, what would you prefer for me to do? Because if this is true, the way this comes across, the way it's written, if this is true, then, then what it's saying is at the point of baptism is the point that you receive the Holy Spirit. And if that's true, and you've never taken that step to be baptized, you have robbed yourself. You have robbed yourself of something incredible, absolutely incredible. Baptism brands you as a child of God. This was the very first thing, that passage I read right there when Jesus was baptized, it was the very first thing that he did as he entered into his ministry years. He sought out John the Baptist to be baptized, and I promise you, all right, imagine you were there standing around the lake, the body of water right there, and you saw this man be baptized by John the Baptist, and as he comes up out of the water, the clouds part, and you hear this big, bold, bellowing voice saying, this is my son. I promise you, every single person who was there that day believed. There were no doubters that day. 
And because Jesus took this step, quite literally, if you want to be like Christ, that means baptism is a requirement. If you want to be Christ-like because Jesus did it, that means I have to do it. Now, again, I'm not talking about salvation. This can get confusing, okay? Salvation is a one-time moment. It's a decision you make. It's so confusing. I can remember a story uh, about a three-year-old little girl named Renna. I've told this before, but it was like, it was like years and years ago, six or seven years ago or something. But uh, this, 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 this little three-year-old girl went to church with her parents one Sunday, and she didn't go into kids' church. She went into, the, into adult church with, with her parents, and they had a baptism. There was a guy that was baptized that day. The pastor baptized him. And, and so little Renna watched all of this, was just taking it in like, like a little three-year-old girl uh, would just kind of absorb everything, right? And so after the service, they're driving home, and Renna is pretty quiet in the back seat, and all of a sudden, she, uh, she asked, Mommy, Daddy, why did the pastor push that man underwater? Right? That's how it appeared to her, that he's like pushing the guy underwater. And, and so the mother uh, attempted to come up with a, an explanation that a three-year-old girl would be able to understand. And so she's, she's explaining to little Renna that, you know, when, when you grow older and you can, you, can, uh, you can know the difference between what's right and wrong and you can make the choice between what's right and wrong, a lot of times we choose what is wrong and we call that sin. And once we realize that, that uh, we are sinners, then we get baptized. And when we go under the water, the water washes all of that wrong stuff uh, away. And little Rena got really quiet, and they didn't hear a peep from her. The mom thought she had given her an adequate explanation. Uh, but then Rena spoke up, and she said, well, why didn't the pastor just spank him? <laughs> Obviously, this family did not spare the rod with little Rena, right? <laughs> I like that idea, because some of y'all need a whooping sometimes, right? Um, but it can be difficult to understand this difference. And I want to give you two uh, words. Both start with the letter S. I've already said the first one many, many times. Uh, and it is the word uh, salvation. It's the word salvation. And, and, and again, this is a one-time moment. It's a decision that you realize, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And, and so you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, I believe in him. You repent of your sins. You confess him as Lord and leader. Boom. You, you are at that point, what we teach here at Christ Church, you are covered by God's grace through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Apostle Paul uh, says this in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. All right? It's not something you did. It's something that he did. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. All right? That's, that's salvation. It's a one-time moment. You either are saved or you are not saved. This next S word is super, super, super churchy word. Okay? <clears throat> just, like, just like the word baptism, you don't use this word anywhere else. I promise you. Okay? You don't use this word at work or on the boat um, or anywhere else. And it's this right here. Sanctification. This is just really fun to say sometimes in church. Sanctification, right? Um, and, and sanctification is a process, okay? 
This, this act of, or, or this process of becoming like Jesus is not something that either is or is not. It's a step-by-step, day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, year-by-year process that you are going through as a follower of Christ. Sanctification is a lifelong process. And I promise you, the most effective way The most effective way of being sanctified, of becoming more like Jesus Christ, is uncovering what is already inside of you. And in order to do that, that perfection that God created you with, in order to do that, if it is true that you get the Holy Spirit when you are baptized, then you're robbing yourself because that baptism gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It just It's like this lifelong process on steroids. If you've not taken this step, you're robbing yourself. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. It's a process. Bit by bit, day by day. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By the way, this is our, the verse where we get our vision for Christ Church Camden, change the way people think about church as well, if you didn't know that. This transformation that Paul is talking about, this change, changing the way you think, it is a process that will be going on for the rest of your life. Friends, I promise you the most fulfilling way to live your life here and now. And some of you have been through enough life, you know this. You can can testify to this. The most fulfilling way to live your life here and now is through this process of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ. And the most effective way for you to become more and more and more like Christ is through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if it's true that at the point of baptism is the point that you receive the Holy Spirit, some of you are robbing yourself. The Bible says that God formed you in the womb. He knew you when he formed you in the womb and he created you a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. Again, God created you perfect. God did not mess up when he made you. God did not screw up when he made you. It's you and I who screwed ourselves up. And God wants you to uncover that which he created you with. I know this can be challenging depending on what kind of church background you have. I just want you to wrestle with it. If you've never taken this step, to be baptized by immersion like Jesus was baptized. I just want you to wrestle with it. God loves it. God loves when we wrestle with him. He loves that. You know why? Because when we wrestle with him, we're really close to him. God loves that. So take this and wrestle with it. If you have never taken that step to be baptized and you were challenged today, And, and you're saying, I got to do that, then uh, you can take that connection card and on the back of it, there's a box there that says, I want to be baptized. Check that box and uh, we will get in touch with you this week to get that scheduled.
You don't have to be baptized today. You could be if you want to be, but you don't have to be. The story that I hear from so many people, I even talked with one young lady in between the services who was here during the first service, and she came over in the connection point and came and talked with me, and she was in tears, and she said, I was baptized. I actually was baptized here several years ago, um, but, but I, I did it for the wrong reasons. I did it to make, at that point in time, I did it to make my boyfriend happy. I didn't do it for me. Uh, do you think there's anything wrong with me getting rebaptized? for me and now that I really know what this is all about. I was like, absolutely. And we hear similar stories all the time of somebody who was baptized when they were really young, you know, elementary school or so, and they really didn't understand what they were doing. Or, or maybe, maybe you accepted Jesus and you were baptized, but then, then like so many, you went off the deep end after you graduated, you know, and went to college or military or something like that. And now you're like, I'm getting back on track with God. I want to rededicate my life. We see a lot of times people say, I, I want to get baptized as I rededicate my life to him. And if that's you, check that box on that connection card. And like I said, we will get in touch with you this week to get that scheduled. And if you just want to talk about it a little bit more like that young lady from the last service, I'm going to be over in Connection Point. I would love, listen, y'all, I love baptism so much, I could go on for another hour talking to you all about it, okay? And uh, if you have any questions about it, I would love to talk with you about it a little bit more. But it is this, listen, if you've never taken that step, you're robbing yourself. You're robbing yourself of something absolutely amazing that God wants to give to you. And he wants you to uncover that which is buried within you. Let's pray.